So, um, last week I framed up that in the month of February, we're going to be reflecting on um, the scripture that comes from Matthew 22, where an expert in Jewish law comes up to Jesus and says, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in all the law? And Jesus replies, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. And so in the month of February, we're going to be exploring these two themes of what it means to bring our whole selves in worship to God, every part of ourselves, and what it means to be loving neighbors. And so as Dale was saying earlier, we've got um, a service next week where some people are being dedicated to um, a life of bringing their whole selves to commitment to their neighborhood. And um, we're going to celebrate and, and, and kind of pray for them and, and be together in that. And then the week after that, we're going to be um, thinking about who are some people in our neighborhood. And we're saying the rainbow community are people that are in this community and are in our neighborhood. And we're wanting to create a space of welcome and of an acknowledgement of bringing our whole selves um, before God. And that our kind of sexuality and our gender is part of that. And we're going to talk about that then. But tonight... We are going to be thinking about the fact that all of us here presently are in Aotearoa. All of us live in the neighbourhood in this land. And whether you are um, born here, whether you um, are visiting, whether your family have been here for a little while or a really, really long time, all of us are here right now. And so what it means to bring our whole selves in worship to God is affected by the fact that we are in this context and we have particular neighbours in this space. And so... Um, I'm going to share with you a couple of the lectionary readings. So the lectionary is this kind of big um, Bible reading plan. And what's super beautiful is that the scripture for tonight is actually um, one that Talia Coates got up and shared with us during worship that she felt God was putting on her heart last week. So we're kind of actually journeying on some of the same passages, which is really cool. So I'm going to read to you from the message. We're in Matthew 5. Um, This is a bit of a well-known one. starts at, at verse 14. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that you're on the hilltop, on the light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God this generous Father in heaven. So we've got these kind of themes of of light coming out and not hiding, coming out of hiding. And then the other lectionary um, reading for tonight is from Isaiah 58. And um, helpfully, the people that have translated the Bible give subheadings, which is quite useful, I find. So this one is kind of under the title of um, true and false worship, or what it means to have... um, I guess that the theme that it's exploring is um, saying to the people, you're kind of caught up in your religious ceremony, but meanwhile in your lives you're not living justly, and God being like, hello, I want the whole thing. And so we pick up um, in that context, and it says, the bottom line of your fast days is profit. You drive your employees much too hard. You fast, but at the same time you bicker and you fight. You fast, but you swing a mean fist. The kind of fasting you do won't get your prayers off the ground. Do you think this is the kind of fast day I'm after? A day to show off your humility? A day to put on a pious long face and parade around in solemn black? Do you call that fasting a fast day that I, God, would like? 
This is the kind of fast day I'm after. To break the chains of injustice, to get rid of exploitation in the workplace, free the oppressed, cancel the debts. What I'm interested in seeing you do is this, sharing your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless poor into your homes, putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad, being available to your own families. Do this and the lights will turn on. Your lives will turn around at once. Your righteousness will pave your way. The God of glory will secure your passage. Then you will pray to God and God will answer. He'll hear your cry for help and say, here I am. So again, we've got this theme of justice and of light and of having um, a kind of whole, a whole life in worship to God, not being a disconnected people. And so, yeah, I want to start by sharing that this week I was at this thing called Soup and Games. So once a month at the free store, they um, host down at Cafe Neo, which is a great cafe, plug for Cafe Neo. Um, they open up their space and they host um, for games, anyone from the free store, anyone that really wants to get along and there's food. It's a great time. And I met a lady from Belgium. And I don't know if you guys can relate to this, but when you meet someone that's from a different context to you, sometimes you have to go about explaining things and saying things um, that you normally wouldn't have to name because it kind of sits in the assumption of what you know. And so um, I said, oh, later this week is Waitangi Day. She was like, yeah, I heard there was a public holiday. And I was like, do you know anything about that? And she was like, no, I don't. And so I, I found myself in this position of having to kind of give her a big overview kind of sketch and name some things that I guess if you've been here for a long time, you maybe wouldn't name to someone. And so I thought it would be helpful for us because um, there's a lot of different people in the room. I don't know where we're all coming to um, tonight. So we're coming from to this talk tonight. So I thought I'll just tell you what I told the Belgian lady just so we can kind of get on page. So I said, um, Waitangi Day is actually named after a place. There's this place called Waitangi and it's up the top of the North Island. And it was a place where a treaty was signed a long time ago. And the treaty was signed between two kind of parties. There was a bunch of Māori chiefs, and, and not all the chiefs in the land signed it, but a lot of them did on behalf of their people. And then the other party was the British Crown. I said there was kind of, there's a lot of different reasons why that treaty um, came together, but some of the things that were going on was that the British were kind of afraid that other countries were going to come over and kind of get involved in the land, and they didn't want that. Um, was partially because some big commercial companies were coming over and were starting to cut some dodgy deals, and they were like, we need to kind of get in, in the way of that. It was partially because Māori wanted to have their rights acknowledged. They wanted to um, kind of get involved with a bunch of trade deals and actually kind of, um, yeah, see a lot of positive things that they wanted to progress with themselves um, taken up. And it was partially because of pressure from Christians overseas and missionaries here saying, we have some concerns about the rights and the welfare of Māori, and we think that um, their rights need to be protected. And so I said to her that, in my opinion, um, most non-Indigenous people, and I, I use the, the term Pākehā for that, um, in New Zealand, would rather spend um, our time kind of looking forward. We, um, I was like, kind of Westerners tend to sort of think about themselves mostly... Um, as like, where am I going in my life? How am I progressing in my career? Kind of a little bit um, focused more on me and I and kind of 
where am I going rather than where am I from? And um, I said, there's actually been heaps of injustice here. I don't know if you know, but there's a lot of sad stories in this land because this treaty was signed. um, And then the Crown kind of just systematically ignored it and and went against what they sort of agreed, what their word was. And so I was like, there's there's a lot of, um, there's been a lot of injustice in New Zealand. And um, so some people want to look forward and um, they... Yeah, I was like, I think a lot of Pākehā maybe don't know heaps about the treaty and want to look forward and are like, oh, what, what's this over here? Um, but that Waitangi Day becomes this funny moment because it's um, a mark in the calendar where um, for Māori, they're like, there's been a lot of injustice here and we live with that all the time. And yeah, it kind of is this peculiar day where you think, oh, it's like a national holiday, it should be a celebration. In a sense it is, but in a sense there's all this other stuff going on. And so, yeah, it was funny to kind of name that and um, give that give that overview. So I said, from my perspective, um, Waitangi Day is a bit, bit weird. It's a bit weird for us. Um, and she was like, wow, this is so interesting. I want to learn more. Um, and I was like, wow, that's really cool. And so I, I guess I want to enter in tonight by saying, um, talking about um, the legacies that we come from and where we are can be really uncomfortable but I would love if at the end of the night we um, could leave in the spirit of that Belgian lady of like, okay, man, there's more to learn um, and I learned something new. So, yeah. So, in simple terms, um, the Treaty of Waitangi is this foundational document um, in New Zealand. It was signed by two parties. It's the bicultural framework um, of this land. And the, the language I'm going to use for that is that on the one hand, we have tangata whenua, the people of the land, and on the other hand, we have tangata tiriti, the people who are able to be in the land because there was an agreement through the treaty. In this sense, all of us who live in New Zealand fall into these camps of tangata whenua and tangata tiriti. Some people um, are kind of, I guess, afoot in both camps, but kind of, in broad terms, two camps. Tangata whenua, indigenous peoples of the land, tangata tiriti, people who are here because of the relationship set out in the treaty. And so for those of us who live here and who are not um, tangata whenua, such as myself, um, the treaty is our document. It's what gives us the right to be in this land. For tangata whenua, the treaty names the rights they already had and settlers came here and the treaty acknowledges that They came here and it kind of sets out a relational way forward. And so the the, the point I want to underscore first is that the Treaty of Waitangi is not a document which only relates to Māori. The treaty is foundational for all of us who live here. And I think I want to press on that point tonight because I think sometimes that doesn't get um, portrayed very well in the media and... um, yeah, and in other places, but actually the treaty is, is all of ours. And so, um, yeah, for those of us who are tangata tiriti, um, the, the first thing I want to say tonight is that um, the treaty is, is, is ours too. We are part of the treaty story. Um, and so, yeah, start reading about your story. I want to share a little story. Um, I was talking to a, a friend a couple of weeks ago um, named Meranea, who some of you will know. And... Um, she is tangata whenua and she works in a lot of different spaces but does 
consultancy work helping people to kind of get to grips with the treaty and what that means for their organisation, um, like organisations, companies, different stuff. And um, she was telling a story about two different organisations and they were both Pākehā organisations and two different responses that they had to some of what she was bringing. Um, and there was one organisation who, um, I guess, had some preconceived ideas about how um, they were doing things. So they kind of, I guess, had this assertion like, we're doing right by Māori, we're on a bicultural journey, um, we don't really want to hear what you have to say. We've kind of got it sorted. And there was another organisation who were like, oh, we're this Pākehā organisation, we don't really know um, kind of what we're doing, like, what, what can you share with us? And the thing that really struck me about what she shared about those two groups, and in particular the second group, is that she said to them, oh, you guys don't need to pretend to be a Māori-mandated organisation, because you're not. You just need to work on being a really great Pākehā organisation and to learn how to stay in your lane and when it's time to be quiet, when it's time to listen, and when it's time to invite other people to speak. And that line, stay in your lane, has like really stuck with me since um, she shared that story. Because I think um, the thing that that made me think about is how we can be disingenuous and how it's unhelpful to pretend to be something that you're not. Um, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but whenever I go to Z Petrol Station, whatever that's called, Z, Z, um, they like have big signs up about how they're doing really well with their recycling. And I'm like, you're fronting like, yay, we're doing well with our recycling, but you're also a petroleum company. <laughs> so don't try and greenwash me here that like you're good for the environment. So that's greenwashing if you're not familiar with that. <laughs> But Mir and Air use this phrase about brownwashing around, um, I guess, the uncomfortability for um, Pākehā organisations kind of pretending to be more, like, savvy and with it than they actually are. And so what I want to acknowledge is that Blueprint is a predominantly tangata tiriti Pākehā church. And we are connected to the Anglican church, who has these three strands, Tikanga, Māori, Pacifica, and Pākehā. And we're connected through the Pākehā strand. There are people um, that are part of Blueprint who um, have heritage that is from this land. We have Tangata Whenua who are here. Everybody is welcome here. Um, but I, I want to just say, like, um, yeah, just to name that in the mix of things, um, the learning to stay in your lane um, and learning to recognise and take hold of um, being tangata tiriti is something that is important for us to learn to do. We have previously spoken about, and I will say it again tonight, that um, for tangata whenua, we think your heritage is good, and we want to champion anybody who has um, Indigenous connection in this land to like absolutely flourish in that. That is a high priority of this community. But the challenge I want to bring alongside that is that for those of us who are tangata tiriti, and particularly for those of us who are Pākehā, we need to start to recognise that we have an ethnic identity. White people are notoriously bad across the world for thinking that we don't have an ethnicity. <laughs> um, and we, we do. We have a history. We have a heritage. 
And um, it's important for us to learn to recognize that um, so that we cannot fall into the trap of being disingenuous about who we aren't. If we know who we are, then we can recognize um, who other people are and kind of learn what our lane is. I was thinking about um, an analogy of a, of a highway and maybe an example of this is if you have a road and there's like five lanes going one way and one lane going the other. And this learning to stay in your lane is about sharing that space. We've got like this much space for the road. How do we share those lanes? And I think, um, yeah, learning, learning our histories, learning our stories, um, connecting with our heritage, taking up the challenge of being Tangata Tiriti is about figuring out like where, where is it good for these lanes to be? And where have we taken up too much space and it's necessary to say, okay, we actually need to move the lane over and this is a good line. This is where the line is. So first point I want to make tonight is that um, the Treaty of Waitangi is really important for Tangata Whenua and Tangata Tiriti. And especially for those of us who are Tangata Tiriti, I think we need to learn what it means to be courageous in that and how to, how to learn where our lane is and to live justly as God calls us to. It's a big challenge, but um, yeah, I think that's a challenge for us tonight. And so connecting back to our scripture about loving God with our whole selves and loving our neighbor as ourselves, I think part of loving God and bringing all of ourselves in worship to God is having all of the different parts of our identity reconciled. This week I was rereading the creation story in Genesis and there's this bit where um, Adam and Eve, after they've eaten the fruit from the tree, um, in spite of God's instructions to do otherwise, become ashamed. And they choose to hide from one another and from God. And I think that is, is kind of it in essence. Sin and shame and hiding from each other and from God is this icky thing that happens. Going into hiding is the opposite of bringing our whole selves in worship before God. The opposite of shame and hiding is the instructions given to us by Jesus to bring our whole selves, mind, body, spirit, soul, in plain view and fullness to God and worship. I want to share um, a little story about myself here. So when I was 16, I studied NCA Level 1 um, Te Reo, and um, it was a predominantly white school that I was at, but um, when I took Te Reo, um, I was the only white girl in the class. And I sat with um, a Japanese exchange student who was the only other non-Maori person in the class. And that was a great little insight for me into being a minority. Um, as part of that course, um, we had to um, learn our pipiha. And so part of that involved me calling up my nana and papa and um, finding out about my ancestors. Part of that was turning back to look at where my people had come from and um, how we'd come to be in this land. And the com most confronting part of that was learning that one of my ancestors came as a soldier to fight in the New Zealand land wars. And I was on the phone and I was like, ooh, that is maybe something I will not share in Te Reo class. <laughs> and that, that is cause for shame. That legacy of um, violence is in, is in my history. And learning that and reckoning that with that um, was something that was hard to do because it made me feel uncomfortable. But it doesn't mean that I can hide from it. 
I am privileged to have the luxury of having got to 16 and not having had to reckon with the injustice of my ethnicity in this land. Um, I am Pākehā and I'm able to be here because of the place that the treaty gives me as Tangata Tiriti. But it's ugly, it can be ugly to look at that and look at the legacy that I came from to stand here. And I think the thing is about being on the oppressor's side of history is that you can, choo- you can choose, you can often choose whether or not you learn that history. Other people don't have a choice, but you can choose, and part of that choice is a choice to ignore things. A few weeks ago, um, Hamish um, was speaking about hope, and he shared about his experience of being called by God to come home, to come home to his identity as Tangata Whenua, to his story, and to his ancestors. And Haim, um, yeah, shared about um, one of his ancestors who was so ashamed of his identity um, as Māori that he hid from it um, and kind of really tried to close off all the, all the doors of that. He chose to cut off some ties. And then here we are, kind of 100 years later or so, give or take, um, and God is calling Hamish out to bring his whole self in worship, to become someone in his family line who reconciles with his Māori tanga before God and into the depths of himself. And as our reading in Isaiah said, the true worship that God longs for us to realize is not just the fasting and the ceremony at the temple, but it's fighting injustice and its legacies. The reading from Matthew calls us to be salt and light and people um, who do good. The whole law, Jesus says, can be summed up as this, loving God fully with ourselves and loving our neighbor as ourselves. And in order to live into that, we need to come out of hiding. To not hide from our own story. To not hide from our own prejudices. Yeah, my, I guess something I'm, I'm trying to live into is to learn um, how, what it means to be a good neighbor and what it means to be a bad, means to be a bad neighbor. When we come before God, um, the beautiful thing is we don't stay the same. God invites us out of hiding and full worship to him. And we're actually changed when we encounter God. And so the hope that we have is that when God calls us out of hiding, um, God actually transforms us and gives us a place to stand um, in spite of what we've done or in spite of the injustices we are a part of. I need to hear God's call to bring my whole self and I need to fight against the voices of sin and shame which say, you're not worthy of being loved by God. You guys might be able to relate to hearing that voice that says, no, you're not worthy. But that is the voice of sin, that is the voice of shame, that is the voice of evil, that is not the voice of God. God says, Come and bring your whole self. And so my second point tonight is God is always calling us out of hiding. God is always working against shame. And so my second challenge in that is in bringing your whole self in worship, where is God calling you out of shame and out of hiding? Because this this is the good news we have in Jesus. The good news is that because of Christ, 
We have a standing place before God which is firm. It's unshakable. In Christ, we have been reconciled and won back. The true victory of a sin and shame has been done. And that gives us freedom to own our shit in a new way. It gives us freedom to say, yes, I'm, I'm part of legacies of injustice in this land. And I, I carry that as part of my family story. And I carry, um, yeah, I don't carry love towards people sometimes. The sin, there's, a, there's, a, um, there's kind of sins of, of violence and betrayal that I'm connected to and that I'm part of perpetrating. But in Christ, I have a place to stand before God. And through Christ... There is power to be transformed and to act for justice in the world. In Christ, I am a new creation. And so there's forgiveness over that. There is freedom from the muck. And that good news stands as a reality over my life because of Christ and over your guys' life. Big, big rainbow of freedom of your life because of Christ. Um, as Daniel said earlier on Thursday, some of us went up to Otaki. Um, for Waitangi Day, and our friend um, Rangi was one of the few people that were, were sharing there. And um, yeah, he said this really beautiful thing, which I wrote down. He said, We who profess to be Christians, followers of Jesus, must remember the history we come from the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful. Give thanks to God for the good and the beautiful. Repent and seek justice for the bad and the ugly. So as Christians who are tangata tiriti or tangata whenua, we each have the good, bad, the ugly, the beautiful. Those are part of our stories. In our own lives, in the lives of um, the people that have gone before us, we have opportunities to give thanks to God. There are, there are many things for each of us to be thankful for. And there are things for us to repent of. Each of us have been called to come as our whole selves and worship to God. And so the final thing I want to share tonight um, is to kind of relay this challenge that Rangi brought to us at Otaki, which is to remember that, yep, there were two parties um, that kind of signed the treaty. There was Tangata Whenua and the Crown and therefore Tangata Tiriti. But there's a, another massive part of what got um, Tangata Whenua over the line to sign the treaty. Like it wouldn't have happened, a lot of people say without the church, without the good word of missionaries who had built relationship, who did the work of translating, uh, learning the language and, and translating without their presence and encouragement, the treaty wouldn't have been signed. They were this third party that was highly involved. And those people are our ancestors in Christ. Those people are part of our wider family and so the challenge that Rangi brought to um, those of us who are there on Thursday is that, yes, the, the treaty was signed by two parties, but, yes, there's this third party, the church. And so not only do we have an identity as people who are part of the treaty story because of our own kind of family um, connections and um, the fabric of this landscape, um, of this place, but also as part of the body of Christ, as part of the church who were heavily involved in the creation of the treaty. The part of the church, um, yeah, I guess the good that we have in that um, to celebrate is that the church were active and we're connected and we're advocating. And that there's certainly a lot to grieve as well and repent of in the sense of um, 
a lot of moments in history where the church just like capitulated to um, injustice happening. There's good and there's bad there and we're connected to that too. And so my third point tonight is the church is part of the treaty story. And my third challenge is where do we need to repent? Where do we need to rejoice in that? And so I'm going to invite the worship crew up um, and... Yeah, just want to share a little bit. We're going to, um, tonight as we worship, we're going to spend some time, I guess, um, in repentance. And we're going to spend some time in celebration. And for those of you who have been at Blueprint for the last few years, um, you will have been part of the sort of transformation that's happened here. But for those of you who are new, I want to share that um, we've been on quite a journey around really claiming the beauty of repentance Repentance is a choice to acknowledge um, the wrong that we've been a part of, um, both kind of in our own choices and in the systems we're a part of. Um, And it's about having a humble heart to say, God, this has happened. I'm willing to try and do differently. I welcome you to change my heart. Confession is the moment where in this process where we actually say, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sure all of you guys can think of moments where you've had to choose a sorry um, and, yeah, how that can um, rebuild relationship, saying sorry to someone, and and that's the same with God. We have the chance to say sorry for the things that have happened um, and sorry for the things that haven't happened, but we haven't chosen a good way, where we've willfully done things or we haven't done them. It's a chance to name those things. And so I think, yeah, where we've kind of come to and what I want to encourage you guys tonight, as I've said, is that repentance and confession is not the place of shame. It's about coming out of hiding, not going into hiding. And I think we've, we've kind of come to recognize the place of that in Blueprint in the last few years and acknowledge that there's like tremendous freedom in being able to say bad things have occurred, but they won't, they won't be the last word. And so, um, yeah, what, what I will invite you guys to do is um, to maybe stand to your feet and we'll just, um, yeah, we'll, we'll sing in a moment. Um, but I'm going to pray for us as we um, kind of prepare ourselves to worship. Loving God, give you thanks that we... Um, get just together and just stand here give you thanks for um, this room for the people in it and for the land for those that went before us acknowledge God that there is um, good, bad ugly and beautiful pray Holy Spirit that you would come um, and be with us as we as we we sing together and as we sing to you, I pray that you would protect the space from shame. Would you lift our eyes to see you? Um, give us courage to come out of hiding before you, God. 